0: All right, well, uh, we are in week two of our series in the book of Jonah. Um, just so I know, but to know where I need to begin. Um, who was here two weeks ago when we did the book? It was opened up in the book of Jonah. Uh, who was not here two weeks ago? Uh, who's got absolutely no idea because it was two weeks ago? <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah, okay. So just to give you a little bit of um, a recap, Jonah is a historical uh, figure who turns up in a different, bunch of different places in the Bible, but has a particular book written about him in the middle of the Old Testament Um, And uh, there's some debate from scholars about whether or not the book of Jonah is a historical uh, blow-by-blow account of something that happened or whether it's a narrative parable, a bit like Jesus tells a lot of narrative parables that use real characters but tells a story about them to prove a particular point. And there are uh, biblical, Holy Spirit-filled scholars on both sides of the debate about Jonah. Uh, It doesn't matter um, where you stand on miracles. I believe in miracles. I think miracles happen all the time. Um, Whales can swap people and all that kind of stuff. That's okay, we'll talk more about that next week. Uh, but there is some evidence around the book of Jonah to say that it might be more better understood as a narrative parable. And the reason is... Is that firstly, uh, it's it's a very funny book. If you know a bit of ancient Hebrew, as you will do, you'll know that this is actually really good comedy. It's really, really well uh, written. There's a lot of repetitive exaggeration. Everything's kind of upside down. The good guys are the bad guys. The bad guys are used by God. The most evil city in the whole world ever repents to a really terrible five-word sermon. Um, it's very satirical. It's a really, really funny um, book. It's also, it also doesn't have a lot of dates. It doesn't have a lot of names, Um, but um, whether or not, and you can go to the pub later, go go and buy a coffee, (laughs) and and you can go and arm wrestle uh, someone else in church, and you can debate whether or not you think it's narrative or whether it's um, a parable, but the good news is that whichever way you go, the book of Jonah is an inspired part of the Bible given to us for a particular reason. And that's what we want to look at this land. And the particular reason that we believe that the book of Jonah is given to us is because Jonah is a representative character of the ways that we as God's followers often sabotage, damage our relationship with God and his purposes and plans for our life. In a way, like Jonah, who turns out to be quite an interesting character, is a bit like a mirror that we put up in our lives. And when we read something about Jonah and we go, Jonah, dude, what are you doing? We go, oh, actually, just maybe, maybe 1% of that thing that Jonah is doing Maybe that's me, and maybe that's you. And we do it not because we want to make each other feel bad. We don't come to church to feel terrible about ourselves and go home feeling worse. We do it because we believe that that God has good things for our lives, and that because he loves us, he doesn't choose to leave us in our pain and our suffering and the messes that we have. He actually wants to change us. He wants to heal us. He wants to set us free of some stuff. And so this, this Lent, we're doing that kind of slightly brave work of holding up the mirror and going... Holy Spirit, if there's some stuff in my life I need to do some dealing with, please would you gently, lovingly, and kindly show me some things. So I hope you're feeling brave, because that's what we're going to do a little bit this morning. So let's have our reading as we go back into the mirror of the book of Jonah, and we're going to read Jonah 1, 1 to 16. Jonah 1, 1 to 16. Here we go.
1: Maybe you will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lots fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord, because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you please. Then they threw, took Jonah and threw him overboard, And the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him.
0: Thanks, Sam. Really good. So the book of Jonah uh, opens with this little phrase where God says to Jonah, uh, go, go to the great city of Nineveh. But the original Hebrew doesn't actually quite say the same thing as the English does. The original Hebrew doesn't actually say go. It says, get up, rise up, and go up to Nineveh. It says that the wickedness in verse three of the city of Nineveh has come up against me. And there's a really interesting literary tool here that you can't get in the English, but you do if you go back to the original Hebrew, which is like this. God says to Jonah, get up, go up, to Nineveh, because their wickedness has come up against me, and I want you to go up and do something about it. But what Jonah actually does is he gets up, and then he goes down to Joppa. We've got this map here. We used this map last time. You can see there, there he is in a minute. He First of all, he goes down to the port city of Joppa, and then he goes onto a boat and he gets into the boat and he goes down into the belly of the boat and the boat goes out to sea. And then he actually goes down into a deep sea. And then this massive storm comes upon all the people and they don't know what to do. And it actually gets so bad that you know, the sailors start to panic because they realize that the next step is that they are all about to go down into the bottom of the ocean. It's a really interesting literary tool that even though God has called Jonah to go up, into the things of God into the calling into the purpose into the destiny that he has he is now fast asleep down numb to the crisis around him numb to the people's needs numb to God's plan on his life and even though like intellectually he still has some sort of facade of like yeah no I'm doing the right things here when they say to him you know verse 9 who are you he says well I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the seas and the dry land. In reality, it's like a complete joke. It's a facade, because basically he's running away from God, and he's boarded a boat, which seems like a really stupid thing to do if you're trying to run away from the one who made the seas. And yet that's what he does. Like Jonah isn't just physically asleep. He's spiritually asleep. He is emotionally asleep, and he's indifferent, He doesn't care. He's hit such a rock bottom that even though people are going to drown all around him, even though he's got this call on his life, even though he's got this really big thing, he is deaf, numb, asleep, and he can't even be bothered to get up. And when we hold the mirror up this morning, that slightly awkward and painful mirror, of course the question that the book of Jonah asks to us is this, are you asleep? Are you asleep to the things of God? You see, when you met Jesus, if you call yourself a Christian this morning, at some point in your life, what God said to you is, hey, like Ben, get up, follow me. Remember what Jesus said to those first disciples, Simon Peter and the other fishermen? He said, hey, get up, leave behind those things that you used to be about that thing that you used to do, the things that were important to you, your priorities, leave them behind. Get up and follow me and I've got a whole new story for you. And that's what Jesus did with you. Remember the guy who came through the roof when he was paralyzed and he was lying there and what did Jesus say to him? Hey, sir, He said, hey friend, your sins are forgiven. And so now get up, get up and follow me. At some point in your life, I guess you and I have probably heard that call, hey, yes, I want to get up. I am going up to the things of the Lord. I want to go up to his calling on my life. I want to experience all the amazing things that God has got for my life. I really want that. But maybe maybe something happened. Maybe something really small. Maybe something really big happened. And at some point in your life, you know, you were you were heading straight up for heaven, and then you know this thing happened, and and you started to you know just nudge forward, and the nose went down, and and you know you started to come back down. And at some point in your life, you know, I was like I was running for God, I was I was all in, and then something happened, and and now maybe now you're here, and you're like I'm I'm just asleep to be honest. I mean I I know how to say the right stuff. I know how to do the right stuff. I know how to go through the motions and fool everyone. But if I'm really honest this morning, spiritually, emotionally, I'm just, I'm asleep. I'm asleep, my heart is asleep. I don't know. Maybe maybe once upon a time, you know, you were like, you were the person where, you know, I was like, man, if there's if there's a church thing, like, I don't even care what it is, I'm going. Like, if it's a youth event, I'm going to go and be at the youth event. You know, if it's a women's event, I'm just going to go to the women's event, even though I'm a man. Like, I don't care what it is. Like, I'm I'm just going to sign up for that thing because I'm all in. If there's a community group, I'm going to do all of them at once. Like, if there's a team, I'm going to serve on every team. And if there isn't a team for this area of ministry that I think this should be done, I'm going to volunteer to start the team, fund the team, lead the team. You know, like I, I am that person. so I'm so excited but actually right now I don't know life just kind of happens doesn't it I'm just tired not sure about even getting arrested for Jesus I'm not sure if I even want to get out of bed for Jesus this morning or like I used to drive down the streets of the city and I would come across people who were addicted and broken and living under the bridges and, and my heart would break for the things that break God's heart and now when I drive down the street on the way to work, I just try make not, not to make eye contact. It's just, it's just too awkward. I don't hear those things. So what, what causes that? Like, Where does that even come from? How do we go from that place of being on fire for Jesus and full of the Holy Spirit and ready to lay down our lives and do anything he says to the place of like, oh, I don't care, just throw me overboard. Because Jonah wasn't always like that, right? If we pick up Jonah in the book of two kings, Jonah was a prophet. And the prophets were the guys who had the absolute best, most unfiltered connection to the voice of God. They were the ones who could hear what God wanted to say to his people and their job was to relay it to God's people on, on earth. And yet just a couple of years later after two kings, he's like here in the bottom of a ship, like, I don't care, throw me overboard. Well, something triggered Jonah. Usually, when this happens to anyone, this is a triggering thing. This is because something happened along the way. And for Jonah, we actually read what happened to him. What happened to him was in Jonah 4, verse 1. And it was the scandal, the scandal of God's grace. He says in 4.1, How could you ever forgive the Ninevites after all they've done? You see, God says to Jonah, hey, Jonah, I want you to go up to Nineveh because I want to bring repentance. I want to bring transformation. I want to show those Ninevites that I love them, that they can have a relationship with me. I want to do really great things for those Ninevites. And Jonah's like, I don't think so. Like, no, thank you. I mean, we don't know the backstory. We don't know if maybe Jonah's family were being affected by this group. The Ninevites were were a really nasty bunch. I mean, they, they raped, they pillaged, they skinned people alive. They took all the people and the women and the children away. It was absolutely horrific. I mean, we don't know if Jonah had personal experience. We don't know if this had been Jonah's backstory. But what we do know is that when God says to Jonah, hey, I want you to go up to Nineveh. I want you to do something about this. Jonah's like, I don't think so. I mean, if that's the kind of God you are, you're the kind of God who doesn't deal out justice, but you're the kind of God who, who does nice things to terrible people? I don't think so. I'm I'm out. You don't fit into my box anymore, God. You don't behave the way I expect you to behave. If that's what you want to do, I don't think so. Now, I don't know if maybe there are a few of us this morning and we're like, yeah, to be honest, I'm asleep. I don't I don't know what it was that triggered triggered you. I guess for some of us, it, it can be disappointment, right? When I gave my life to Jesus as a young person, I was like, I had this picture of my life. I was gonna get the beautiful spouse. I was gonna get the 2.4 children. I was gonna get the really nice house in the suburbs, you know, the big SUV. I was gonna, like, and I was gonna church on Sunday and my kids were never gonna cry and everything was gonna be fantastic. And you know, do you know what? Life just didn't, It didn't figure out like that. Life didn't work out like I thought it would be maybe god's not really good maybe god doesn't really like me or or like oh i prayed for my friend to get healed and i interceded and i did everything and i fasted and they died and i don't know if god really cares Maybe when I was around that church, and it was like great for a while. And then, you know, someone just kind of said something to me that I didn't quite like, or you know, something happened, and the pastor forgot to phone me up. And you know, I just thought after a while, I don't know, I can't be bothered. I think I'll just, I'll just stay, stay in the shadows. I'll just, just go and do my own thing. Or there was this kind of false teaching or I witnessed something out with this scandal of some leader somewhere in some very high-profile ministry and I thought, if that's what Christian leaders are like, I don't think I want anything like that. Or I went to church and nobody spoke to me or it just kind of got a bit boring or, or, or even just, oh, you know what, life just got a bit busy. Life just kind of happens. The schedule got full. But whatever it was, whatever it is, there are these moments when we go from up I'm in, I'm up for it, I want it. I'm up, whatever you want, God, I'm on. And then suddenly, actually, I don't know. I'm just gonna, just gonna let it go down. I'm just gonna drift. And you know, no one ever plans for that. No one ever gets up in the morning and goes like, I don't think so, I think I'm gonna do something to sabotage my relationship with Jesus. I don't know, I've never done that. And it can be like a, a really small thing, right, at first. But before you know it, for Jonah, starts small and by the end it's like, oh, I don't care, throw me overboard. I've got nothing left. I'm not even interested anymore. And we have to recognize often that those kind of choices do start small. I mean, with Jonah, here's the map again if you want to have a look at it. You know, he, he, he's over there on the right-hand side of the map and God says, go up to Nineveh, which is not that far. And he goes, "Ah, I don't think so. I don't know, I'm going to paraphrase a bit here, but just go with me. You know, maybe you're like, oh, you know, God, maybe I didn't hear you right. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe I ate too much cheese last night. Maybe I shouldn't go to Nineveh. I know. I'll just, just go down to the port. I'll just go down to the beach. Right. You know, it's, I'm, I'm not a legalist. You know, it's okay. I'm just, just going to take some time out. You know, just off I go. And he goes down, goes down to, to Joppa. You know, I'll come back. It's freedom, right? It's not, you know, I don't have to follow the rules all the time. And maybe that's the little choices we can make. Ah, oh, you know, I know I'm, you know, I'm a legalist. I'm just taking some time out. You know, just some personal time. I don't need to go and be with other Christians, do I? I don't know. It's, that's kind of a waste of time. Ah, oh, you know, that thing, that little thing I look at on the internet, nobody really cares. It's only a small thing. It doesn't really make any difference to anyone. I know that I'm supposed to be in a community group with other people who are accountable to me and stuff. I, you know, I just get home and I'm tired. You know, no one really notices. It's okay. It's just a small thing. But it's amazing how like that small thing, the tiny thing, seemingly insignificant, starts to speed up. It accelerates, right? J- Jonah gets down to Joppa, and there he's at the port, and he's like, oh, wow, look, there's a ship. Amazing. Where's it going? The beaches of Spain. Oh, my goodness. Margaritas in the Costa del Sol. Come on, like, bring it on. In fact, maybe he's going, well, I must have heard God wrong. I must have forgotten because God is about blessing, right? And God has just provided a ship to take me to the beaches of Spain. This is the kind of God that I like, right? I am all up for the beaches of Spain. So Jonah, he gets onto the beaches. He gets onto the boat and off he goes. Pays the fare. I'm still a good person, right? I'll come back. It's okay. It's just a phase. I'm just having a break. Maybe, maybe he even goes, well, this is, this is the calling of the Lord. This is, this is God's provision in my life. You know, you even provided a boat for me. But we have to be a little bit careful, don't we, sometimes? And this is tricky, by the way. It's tricky to know what's God and what's not sometimes. But in this situation, God's call on Jonah's life is not to the beach of Spain. And if we're really honest, a lot of the calls that God has on our lives are also not to the beaches of Spain, not that there's anything wrong with the beaches of Spain. God's call on our life is not usually to the couch, (laughs) It's not usually to just unadulterated hanging around and having a fantastic time. Actually, what God wants to say to Jonah is, I have a better plan for you. I've got a bigger plan for you. And actually, that idea of just going after blessing, going after what makes me feel good, what actually gives me the highest degree of satisfaction or the best wealth, pleasure, treasure, thing, whatever it is, is—like actually, often that isn't the Lord. I'm just going to say it. Often it isn't. You know, like, oh wow. You know, that, there was that business dealing, and, you know, I knew the guy was a bit shady. <laughs> I, I knew I was going to have to lie. I knew I was going to be away a lot, and I wouldn't necessarily be in any sort of community, but, you know, it was going to make me loads of money. And I promised I was going to tithe 10% of everything I made. So it must be God. It must be good. Oh, you know, it's amazing. It's it's amazing. You know, I I I I decided I didn't need to be part of a church anymore. Like I didn't need Christians. But you wouldn't believe the the conversations I have with my friends now. You wouldn't believe it. Or this one. And sorry if this hits a bit home, but it's okay. I met this girl. I met this guy. I know they're not a Christian. I know that the Bible kind of says don't be yoked to people who don't like believe the same thing as we do because ultimately we're on different paths and it won't end really well, but it feels so good. The, how could those feelings not be from the Lord? I mean, how could that not be God? It just feels so right. And So we make those kind of choices. But the truth is, that so often what we miss is the fact that just like as in Jonah, it was the circle favorable, seemingly easy circumstances, which were the very things that led him away from God. Because, of course, the devil will always provide a ship to take you away from God. But yet, actually, what God was doing was he was in the unfavorable circumstances. He was in the middle of the storm saying, Jonah, mate, I love you. Come back. Tim Keller puts it like this. Sometimes God seems to be killing us when actually he's actually saving us. Sometimes it feels like God is killing us when actually he's saving us. And what started for Jonah slow, just a small little decision, is now speeding up. He's out of control. He's on a ship. He can't turn around. He's on his way to southern Spain. He's fast asleep in the bottom. He feels like there's absolutely nothing he can do. And what's really fascinating to me is that the one person who wants to come and do something about it is the guy who doesn't know God at all, the captain. The captain's going like, Jonah, if if you believe in a God, we're all about to drown. This is the moment, okay? So what does he say? He says, Jonah, get up. Get up. Wake wake up. I had a friend... um, And uh, we were at college together and we used to play in a band and we lived together for a little while in in this big shared house of of dudes at college campus. And we got to the the last bit of our university lives and we were on the way back late one night from a gig. And he was a super smart guy and he'd already been headhunted by a bunch of blue chip companies who were desperate to sign him up to their executive training programs. And, and he had a choice to make. And he, he could either go off and do this straight away or he could do this like, little discipleship training school. And I said to him, I remember one night, I don't know why I said it, I just said, mate, I know one day you're gonna make an, ex- an incredible chief executive of some big company, no doubt. But I think, mate, there's some stuff in your life that you might need to deal with right now. And so why don't you, why don't you just take a few months out? Why don't you just go and do this, this time with Jesus for this little training school for a while because what I could see in my mind was this guy was about—he was, you know, very prone to overwork. He got massively obsessed by whatever he was involved in. I was like, man, you are going to get swallowed by being in this blue ship company. And I said to him, I, my fear is in like 20 years time, you're going to be the best executive that company's ever had and your faith is going to be gone. And he was like, oh yeah, no, well, you know, I, I think I'll be okay and the signing on bonus is really good and, and off he went. And I'd, I'd forgotten all about it, to be honest, because you know, he went to live in one city and I went to live in another city and he took the job with the big multinational. And, and I was just thinking about it this week. I was like, whatever happened? And I looked it up and I, I just like, caught up with his story. And you know, for a while, he kept going along to his local church. He kept you know, was volunteering and doing good stuff. And then apparently someone said something a bit rude to him and he thought it wasn't really fair. And so he left the church. And then he found a a girl, much younger than him, really beautiful. And he decided to go and live with her. And he lived with her for a while. And then eventually they got married. And he is, of course, a very high exec in this very big multinational company. But I emailed him this week because I was like, man, I just want you to know something. I want you to know that I think God still loves you. And that God's still with you. But what his friends say, is he's got no faith right now. He's got no relationship with God. He's got no connection to a church or anything. He's done. And I wanted to write to him and just say, it's not over. It's not over. There's more. But for him, it just started with a tiny little decision and a couple of other little decisions. And before he knew it, he was in a place that he probably never dreamed of being. But here's the good news. And there is good news. You don't have to go home miserable, by the way, this morning. The good news is that when we go down... Whatever it is that that means to you, God goes down with us. Wherever you go down to, God goes down alongside you. You know, God does not do what I would do. You know, when someone upsets me, when someone rejects me, you know what I want to do? Whatever, loser. (laughs) You know, speak to the hand. (laughs) Do people do that? No, they don't. That was a That's that's a sorry. That's old, right? That's, that's, that's what I want to do. That's not what God does. That's never what God does. You know, if, if someone rejects me, I want to reject them. But God doesn't get angry or disappointed or move on. He follows us. He follows Jonah. Jonah abandons God, but God doesn't abandon Jonah. God rejects God. Jonah rejects God, but God does not reject Jonah. Jonah runs from God, but God doesn't run. He runs after Jonah. When Jonah goes down, God goes down with him. And he goes down to woo him back. He doesn't force him. He, he just he, he sends messages, right? He sends a storm. He sends a captain. He sends sailors. He's like, hey, come on, Jonah, wake up. We've got a bigger story to write here. You've got to get up. I need you to get up. And next week, we're going to look at and how he does it. See, God doesn't force us God never coerces us. God never does something against our will, but he is always there whispering, hey, it's not too late. You're not too far gone. You're not lost too far. I, I want you back. Because even Jonah recognizes this. He recognizes that who God is, merciful and compassionate God, slow to become angry, rich in faithful love. That's who God is. And I'm so grateful that, you know, in my life, when I've made those really bad small decisions, that God hasn't just gone, <laughs> good luck with that. What God does is he, he puts people around us. He puts a conscious, conscience within us. He sends us circumstances to say, hey, Ben, that's not gonna end well for you. You need to do something about that. God does that because he loves us, not because he wants to punish us, not because he's mean and horrible and angry. No, he does it because actually he wants you to get up. He wants you to heal up. He wants you to live up to the things that he's called you for our life. But the thing is, he'll never abandon you. And you know the reason we know that he'll never abandon you because this story is like a pale reflection of something that happened 2,000 years ago. When 2,000 years ago, the Bible tells us that God loved you so much that he sent his only son, down from heaven to earth down from earth to the cross down from the cross to the grave from the grave like into death so that you could rise up in new life so that you could find hope and a future that's what he did Jesus for you on the cross that's what we're going to celebrate he made a way for life to come back to you and that's why we have to respond. If you're here this morning and you're like, well, what do I do? I'm asleep, I'm tired, I'm weary. What do I do? Well, it's time to do the very thing that the captain told Jonah to do, which is this, get up. Please, just get up, get up. The world is desperately in need and broken and hurting, and it needs you to get up. God has glorious things for you if you will get up. And to get up actually means a few things. The first is, it means you might actually have to deal with that trigger, that thing, whatever it was. And for some of us, it was like some passing comment that somebody made 20 years ago, and we can't even quite remember what it was or why we're still angry about it, but it just happened. And we've got to deal with that. For others, it's, it's much more significant. It's much more serious. It's much more complicated, because it's now the way that we live. It's the pattern we have, it's the choices we've made, it's the habits we've formed. It's actually gonna take a little bit to unwind. But actually, what God is asking always, I think, of us is to get up and come back to to the things that he has. And and we might need some help to do that. I mean, just be honest, these things can be really complicated. I have no problem of ever getting up and saying, I have a Christian counselor that I go and see from time to time. Because I realize ultimately that even though I wish that the problem was always out there and it was always other people and other circumstances and hard things that happened to me, I realize that honestly, probably more often than not, it's actually the things that are going on in here. Because the trigger is triggering something that's actually weak and broken inside me. right? And I've got to deal with that. I don't have any problem to say I have a, a wonderful spiritual director who I go and see once a month and I'm just like, like, this is me and he's lovely and doesn't judge me and prays for me. I think it's great. It's why I think community groups are great. It's why I think mentoring is great. It's why I think yeah, actually we need these things in our life because actually we have to deal with the stuff that's in here before we're ever prepared to get up and deal with the stuff that's out there, right? And I, and I know it's hard. Because everything in our pride like, no, we're fine. It's all them. It's all if, if they just changed their ways, I would be fine. But the Ninevites, they're no different to any of us. They were horrible and awful, but they just did the same things that all broken people do, which is that they break the world around them because they don't know Jesus. The world around us will always be broken, but it's on us to do the things in our own lives, to get up. And to stay up. And to stay up means not only just dealing with the trigger, but it also means reordering our lives into a new pattern. So why we sometimes talk about the rule of life here. And when we talk about rules of life, it sounds horrible because it used the word rule and nobody likes rules. But actually, a well, rule of life is just saying, these are the ways I'm going to pattern my life. These are the things I will put in my week to make sure that I am going this way and not this way. And they might be like, I'm, I am going to be the guy who is stuck into church. I mean, I, that was always my thing even well before I was a pastor. Like, I just realized I need Christians around me. So I'm going to be there because I need that. It, it might be like, actually, I'm going to choose to spend like some time with Jesus when I start my day every day because I need to get in the word of the Lord. Like, it might mean that actually I have to say no to some things that might seem really wonderful and fun, but actually they're going to be things that cause me to go down. You know, it's why one of the things I put in my life is I put Alpha in my life. I I love the Alpha course. It's what we're going to launch it here. We just had over 20 people at our leaders training thing the other night. It was amazing. And we do it as a gateway for people to explore Christian faith. And I love it because it's in Alpha that you hear the stories of people getting up and finding transformation. You know, it, it might be for you like something a little bit different. It might be an annual retreat or a community group or whatever it is. It's, it's putting those things in place and not letting them be compromised that keep you at the top, keep you going up. Because I just believe that, you know, for every single one of us, God, God says of us, I, I want you up and in the game. I want you up and on the journey. I've got things for you to see and do and experience of my character and my love that, that are beyond anything you can understand right now. But, but actually comes all the way back to those little choices, the little things, the daily rhythms and the habits and the things that we put in place. So what I'd love to do as we we close, I'd just love us to pray. And as I say, this is not supposed to be a condemning, go home feeling ashamed moment, but it's supposed to be a moment where we, we can just come before the Lord and say, here I am, here I am.